feeling in touch with your religious side? Wanting to rid yourself of sin? It's your lucky day because God is a trans woman, woman. Sasha Sidek. And Jesus is non-binary, binary, binary. Jacob Gamble. Join us on Queering the Air every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. Queer and trans, arts, politics, pop culture, and everything in between. Only on Tracy R Community Radio. Come worship at the altar of your queerness desires. It lingers when we're done. You believe God is a woman. We would like to acknowledge that this event and all of the work that we undertake as a crew happens on a stolen land. We wish to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the traditional custodian of this land we call now Melbourne. We pay respect to their elders' past, presence and emerging. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We also would like to extend our respect to our trans elders' past and present. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Querying the air. My name is Sasha Sidek. Um, my pronouns is she, because I will never be her. <laughs> you guys like that? I come up with that. <laughs> anyway, um, happy Sunday. Um, very, very excited to have both of my new co-hosts here, Gustavo. Hello, hello. Hola, hola. Yes, welcome back to Nam. You had a good... Um, uh, holiday uh, in Queensland? Um, yes, I did. I'm very happy to be back here in Melbourne. And uh, yeah, it's this winter. It's <laughs> whew, a lot. Yeah. You, do, you don't like the cold? Uh, not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer like I'm, I'm, very, I'm from a really hot city in Colombia. Yeah. So I'm more like tropical. I really, I'm like a hot person, I would okay. say. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm from Singapore. It's always tropical there. Oh. And I don't like it. It's too hot. And you know, I I love fashion. Our Joe is just get, uh, leaving the room. Bye. Thank you, Joe. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I like the coal. Um, so I can layer up. So, and hi. Welcome back to Shahrazad. Hi. Hi. So, um, how was how was your day? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah? I feel like I, I like the cold weather. I like it when it's like cold with um, like a little bit of sunshine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is perfect for me. I'm yes. so happy today. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful day today. It feels it nice. Is, it is a nice day, isn't it? Yeah. We, we, um, I went out a little bit just now to a friend's place for lunch and we sit outside at his garden. It was nice. A bit mm. of vitamin D. Because I, especially my leg, it looks so pale. <laughs> During, I had to wear stockings tonight, today. But <laughs> But if you think about it, we have such low UV during the winter that it's unlikely that you will age quickly. Like, I feel people in the north are always aging so quickly because the UV is so intense. You're actually right, yeah. Yeah, because you have, I know our listeners can't see you, but you have gorgeous skin. Oh, thank you. Preserved. (laughs) (laughs) It was all the investment of cream after cream (laughs) and vitamins. I'm obsessed with vitamins. Same. Yeah, Yeah, I have to have it religiously every single day. Like, I think I have like, Maybe six or seven pills that I take vitamins. Yeah, it's like 
I've actually started putting collagen creamer in my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like obsessed with skincare and I'm like, oh my God, I need to be ethereal and young forever. So like in addition to the vitamins, I'm like putting collagen creamer in every single coffee that I have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm obsessed with, uh, especially when I start to transition. Um, yeah, especially um, I grew up with a lot of the elders, so they were telling me like you need to look after your skin. The oh. the um, the goal is when one day you don't get you don't have to wear makeup anymore and you still you know be feminine mm. and you still look good. So that is the goal they said. As a trans woman, this is part of the culture thing in Singapore. If you want to be a trans woman, the goal is one day you don't have to wear foundation. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that. because, you know, women don't usually wear foundations. Yeah, so as a trans woman, we have to hide a lot at that time, especially when my time, there's, not, there's no such thing as uh, hair removal, uh, mm-hmm. like laser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of people, like, sometimes I see that five o'clock um, shadow sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just lucky because I had, I took home at a very early age, so I guess it stopped me from growing a lot of hair. So I, I don't actually have have the beard mm. yeah. Oh. yeah 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 mm. sometimes wonder how I look like in, in a beard oh. maybe uh, not okay you know today uh, we get a lot of um um a lot of uh, great feedback actually from uh, Instagram um, because of the topic today that we're going to talk about about white fragility mm. um, mm-hmm. I think it's a very important topic um, um, I don't think we ever had this topic discussed here at Curing the Air okay. um, yeah so when um, when as a collective we thought we're going to do this and I didn't know people are going to be su- supportive on this I mean I have a, a few people messaging us and, and told us this is a great topic to talk about good mm-hmm. good yeah I was a bit afraid of like people coming in and being like why are you talking about this but it's just like ugh fuck them anyway like you know, people <laughs> who are just like people who are like so fragile they don't want to hear about their own fragility it's true, like right? sit down I mean <laughs> It's it's an important topic to talk about because I think even I invited three people, white people, to come into the show to talk about this. Mm. And um, they declined because even one of them said, I don't even understand what is white fragility is. Um, well, you That's why we are here. Yeah, this is why we are here. Clearly, to discuss, to learn. I would love to have a white person perspective as well. But, but I have a surprise for you. Jacob actually did an audio at the last oh. minute. Bless. So, I know. So, oh. we actually have Jacob later on on the show. So, um, question, what, what is white fragility? I mean, um, Shahrizad. Oh, like, I don't know the actual definition, but... To, to you. Yeah, to yeah. me, yeah. Uh, I guess white fragility is when, like, I guess white people tend to take up space with their own privilege, but not in a way that's, like, direct. It's, like, Mm. an indirect form of violence against people of colour. It's, like, if you call out a white person and say, like, you said this thing to me, um, in the future, can you not say it to me? Like, that's a racial slur or something like that. And then they're just, like, sitting there being like, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. And they're making it all about them. I feel like then their fragility enters the chat and basically it's all about them taking up space and expanding and you're like... This was about my concern. How am I comforting you? Like, that's so strange to me, right? Mm-mm, mm-mm. And what about you, Gustavo? What is, um, what is white fragility means to you? Yeah, I think white fragility is more when they are too, like, uh, obnoxious. They are not, like, conscious. Like, they are not aware mm. of the privilege that, that they have and they've always had. And then when they are in queer spaces, they just don't want to contribute because they don't feel that they they they, they don't want to step in. Mm. But actually, I think that's that's why it's so important to to talk about it 
to, to put it on the table because we all want a better community. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then we just need to hear all the voices, all yeah. the perspectives. And I think some people, when, when they're, they're privileged, their power, it's in in the game, mm. the table, so they feel like fragile. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I think it's it's good to talk about this topic too, to because sometimes I think it is not it's not easy and sometimes there are people, especially white people, that they don't even realize how privileged they are or oh. like if they have like white privilege. Mm. So it's great to just remind to put it there uh, and to make a, a new concept and see how can we just like move forward, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think just to add to that, I mean, yeah. yes, and you a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's like an element of it that's, I guess people's white fragility is when you enter a queer space as a white person, you're still white. You mm. don't stop being white. And I feel like mm. people often use their queerness as like their minority points. They're just like, oh, you know, you a person of color and me a queer person, we have the same experience. And I'm like, bitch, I cannot pass. <laughs> like, mm. I cannot walk out. I mean, I can, but like most people of color, they're people of color first. They can't yeah. take that off. They don't have to come out as a person of color. They just walk into the room and people clock them. Mm. So it's a very different experience. And it's mm. like their fragility means that they need to engage with their minority points so they're not caught out on their bullshit. Yeah. And that's just like that needs to somehow shift and change so that yeah. they can hear us when we call them out. Yeah. I notice sometimes, you know, um, having white friends or even like white um, strangers even, mm. um, they don't see colors. Yeah. They do not see colors. <laughs> and they say, like, why we are all um, in the LGBTQIA plus um, uh, community in the same umbrella. I was like, no, there is colors. Aren't you, can't you see the, are you blind? Like you have that privilege, the mm. white privilege over there. And we have, especially, you know, when we talk about trans women of color, there's a lot mm -hmm. of challenges that we mm. have being trans, being colors. And, you know, and, um, that's a we being stigmatized so many times and until today and we still fighting for our equality yeah and it's also about needs right mm. it's like your needs as a person of color as a queer person of color or as a trans person of color are different to a white person's um like a white queer person's needs mm. and for them to think that totally. they don't see color they're like oh my needs are the default and now you must meld to my experience yeah yeah i think like even in the gay community like to when like someone is white they get more attention than mm. someone of color so from there you can see it too that it it's is. it's present like in all the aspects in life yeah. jobs too yeah. work studies hmm. it is isn't it yeah, especially totally. with jobs yeah for sure I mean you know sometimes I I used to be that person when we have conversation with people of color we have conversation and I have a white friend there and I can see that she or he feeling uncomfortable with the conversation I will shut down that conversation mm. because I don't I don't want that person to be uncomfortable but I think that is the wrong move it mm -hmm. should be that person should be comfortable in in engaging that conversation if really. you think we're not we're not we having a conversation it's not like uh, putting the white people down it's, no, it's not acknowledging no. that you no. have privileges, yeah, and acknowledging that we have to fight for our our rights. Um, sometimes in the space, in especially the, with with the queer space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like people of color are uncomfortable all the time mm. because we live in like a white, white we live in a Western world right now, and like going out of the house is uncomfortable for us. So like, why is it okay for us to be uncomfortable all the time? But when they are a little bit uncomfortable, yeah. they can't lean into that discomfort. Mm. Uh huh. Mm. That's a good point. You, you, you're so right there. And I've seen it with my own eyes before. There's one time at, at, at an event where this um, indigenous um, uh, trans uh, person was telling about the history. Mm. And of course, it's a bit uncomfortable because the history was 
savage. That was crazy, you know. It was there's a lot of violence. And then this white person was like, "Oh, look at my skin. This is my skin who did this." I was like, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> are you feeling fucking guilty <laughs> because your ancestors oh. did it? Like, shut the fuck up. I just listen to this person have to say." Like step one is <laughs> decentering yourself. Like I think if white people decentered themselves from the conversation and learn how to listen, like. 80% of the problems we have right now would go away. Mm, 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 100%. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, communication. That's <laughs> <laughs> the thing, like, we need to just, like, talk. And no, they I need think to because listen. they just... This is my second question. Why white people are uncomfortable talking about their white privilege? I think because <laughs> white people are not very good at being uncomfortable. Like, I think what it is is not that they're uncomfortable and we're not. I think we're really good at leaning into discomfort because it's a default for us. Mm. But I think for them, it's difficult because, you know, like they walk through the world with no discomfort. They are the mm-hmm. default. Everything is built for them. Mm. They are not. So then, like, a lot of the time, what I find in spaces where, like, there's white people and there's non white people existing together yeah. is like this thing of white people equate their discomfort to POC trauma. And I'm like, no, that was traumatic for me. That Mm. was violent for me. You are just a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's where the issue is. There's like that imbalance. Mm. It is true. Yeah. What do you think, Gustavo? (laughs) (laughs) You were like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I was just processing. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to let listeners know that the three of us here are non-white, by the way. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I was thinking about like, how do we define white People, because for example, mm. if I look at you, mm. I think you're white. Yeah. Just because you're a skin color. No. Like your background might be different, but because like I came from Colombia, like people like me, like we know that we are Latinos. But yeah. then if we see something different that is white, I would say I will put everyone in the same box. Yeah. I mean, like no, no, fair I mean, skin. I mean, like um, if I'm actually in Singapore, people would considered me as like half white because of my colored skin of oh. very yeah yeah yeah, yeah because yeah. as an as an asian because yeah so you know sometimes when i come here i'm totally asian <laughs> like yeah yeah i totally hear you and i used to wear a headscarf back in the day so it was yeah. way easier to like clock me as not mm-hmm. white but i think like yeah of course like when we look at you know the three people in this room I, t- I think I carry the most amount of privilege, right? Yeah. I have passing privilege. I can walk into some spaces, like, straighten my hair. I also talk like a white woman. So it's kind of like... <laughs> and this is like a... This is a masking... How, how do white women speak? <laughs> like, like this. On the higher... Ex- and you know, like, when I'm with my friends in the area, I, I sound like this, you know? Yeah, I sound yeah, yeah. like a total hood boy. But then, like, when I move out into the world, like, I guess when I was younger, my mom would really, really, like, crack down on me to speak like a white woman because she knew better than me. She knew that if I existed in the world and I spoke like a white woman, people would take me more seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she wanted wanted you to be Australian, like, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, every... Uh, parents wants the best for you because totally. they don't want you to be bullied, you know, especially with um, color of your skin, which they already experience it in that in that time. And I think that happened a lot with second generations because mm. usually when they, the parents are migrants, they come to Australia, for example, and they want their kids to be Australians, mm. like, and then just letting their background away. For example, like I, I went to a worship yesterday and I heard that story of like a person from the Philippines and a, a person from, I think was from India. And they just talk about how like their parents mm. like make them to be white. Yeah. Right. Because that was the best way for them to like be in society yeah. and get better jobs and your accent is going to, you are going to get better things if, for example, you have, you, you have a call. 
Yeah. Your accent is an English accent, Australian accent. I know. I, I I notice a lot of the new ones that come. I mean, the new generations that come to Australia, they live here for one year and then they have an Aussie accent, especially the Asians. Like I've been here for so long, over a decade, and I still have my accent. <laughs> But for, for example, sorry, that, that was something that for me when I moved here, I came here to like to study English, and I was trying really hard to hide my Colombian accent yeah. and mm. to get an Australian yeah. accent because that was like people. Usually tell it because if you speak with an accent, they will be like, first, they don't understand even if you say the word really close to, to the same word. Mm. And some people, they don't take it, they, they, they don't take you seriously. Oh. After some time, I was like, no, fuck this. Yeah. I, this, this is my <laughs> Colombian accent. And I just like, want to be who I am. When I was, when I first started doing radio here at uh, 3CR, you know, the other two of my co-hosts, they are Asian, but with um, Australian accent. Mm. They actually didn't even born here. And oh. I was like, how these bitches have Aussie accent? <laughs> like, are you putting it on, you know, because how, how am I supposed to uh, lose my accent? Do you want to know a secret? Yeah, tell me. We're all code switching. Like, yeah. so inside my house, like my parents didn't want me to be white. Inside yeah. the house, like we spoke Arabic. Yeah. Like we oh. learned about all of our cultural practices. I still go to the mosque every, like almost every week, like all of these things, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. But they taught me how to live kind of two lives, the uh -huh. life inside the really? house and with my community. Right. And then the life outside my house and outside of my community. Uh -uh. So you code switch. So like- Are you accent like changes too? Yeah, like those? when I'm when I'm out in like the North, like when I'm out in Brody Craigieburn, like I sound different around my Arab friends but it's because like when I walk into an educational institution or whatever yeah. like, just like you said people won't take me seriously if I sound like that but that's to say like how do I put this because I was born here it's a bit different as well yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. but yeah like we're, we're all code switching wow, wow. yeah how are you going <laughs> I even try and I fail miserably you know I can't even put on the Aussie accent it's just so weird for me so and uh, it took me a while to be comfortable with my accent and my mm -hmm. voice I was like fuck this it's just like <laughs> this is Tracy yeah I can be whoever I want to be you know I, I don't have to put on this Aussie <laughs> fake accent like um, people some people do you know like why totally and I think that's also knowing who you are when you came from and loving mm. where you came from yeah. because your accent it's like yeah, you speak another language too and then you are able to speak another one so i agree not? i but you know what uh, what caused white fragility why what caused this like because of they are because they're being triggered or because they will be very especially some um being defensive you know or fear 100 defensiveness but i think mm. it's also a fear i think like I think, like, a lot of white people, like, they grow up with, like, so little discomfort in their lives, like we said before. And then they come into the world and they're like, okay, the world is whatever. Like, I... Sorry, I'm going to go back a few steps. Yeah, and I'm sure. going to say, like, mm -hmm. I think when white people learn about their own privilege, it challenges their worldview. They think that they got where mm -hmm. they did through hard work, mm. through being good, through all of these things. And then they realize that, yes, it is hard work, but it's also a whole lot of privilege. And I think mm. that challenges the way that they see themselves and what they, how they view the world. Yeah. And I think that can be really confronting. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to acknowledge that <laughs> white people can be really confronted by that. Totally. But where the issue is is that like that then translates into fragility that they expect people of color to carry. I think like if white people take their fragility, yeah. they go into white spaces and they like process it together, that's fine. Yeah. But the issue is that they are asking us to carry it for them, to absolve them of the guilt. It's like, no, sit in the guilt. See, let, and then take that guilt and become solutions focused to see how you can make things better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's your opinion? Yeah, what's your opinion? Totally. Uh, what caused white... I think like what privilege... 
It is just that uh, I think white people they haven't even realized what happens. And then when you start looking back at yourself and then just acknowledging and seeing that people's life could be different and what you mm, experience, mm. then it's hard to process too. Like I, I think uh, we need to acknowledge that too, that for them might be hard to realize that maybe they have tried hard, but then if they compare with someone else, it's going to be just a little bit. Yeah. If that makes sense. So mm. it's like I think it's, it's like unconscious as well. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. unconscious. Like most of the time they might not know because it's like how are you going to ask those things to yourself if you had never put on that place? I think if the, you have always had everything. Yeah, I think the first question they need to ask is what privileges uh, I have as totally. a white person. Yeah. And, and why does that make me uncomfortable? Like yeah. why why am mm. I uncomfortable? I think like I think white fragility is basically just white discomfort, right? It's white yeah. discomfort about race. And I think white people would do themselves such a favor by saying, okay, like, this makes me uncomfortable, but, like, where is this yeah. discomfort coming from? It's mm. also, um, you know, in the past, we have um, interviewed a few people who are half white, half Asian, half, half something. Mm. And then we talk about, you know, whiteness, and they, they do not acknowledge themselves as white. Mm. Yeah, and it's just, I just find it, what, this is like, you know, Amy Schwimmer, the, the comedian, yeah, she always feel like um, you know she's she feels like um, she feels sorry for being white. Oh fuck, Amy Schumer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she always feels sorry for being white. So you know, I there's people like that who don't want it because now that they they are in the community, they don't want to acknowledge their whiteness because you know. Um, but you grew up in a white household. You don't even have culture <laughs> in you. And then suddenly, you're just like, oh, I'm from this place. I'm from AJ. I'm from Colombia or whatever. But you never acknowledge your whiteness. Like, why are you ashamed of your being white? It's, it's part of your DNA. Totally. I there think, is white fragility. I think it is white fragility, but I also think that it's a bit deeper than that when people are, like, mixed. I think people who are mixed often grapple with the idea that, like... I come from the oppressed and the oppressor, and how do I reconcile that dissonance? Yeah. Like, I think it's really hard to be like, oh, my, for example, my, my mom's family is just, say, Egyptian, and my dad's family is white. And, like, <clears> there <throat> is a level of white supremacy that exists in my mother that she was attracted to this white man when there was all these Arab men around her. And then also this idea of, like, I am the product of white supremacy in a lot of ways. Mm. And I am the product of, like, oppression and then and then having to acknowledge the power imbalances that, like, exist within you and in your home. I think that's, like, a really hard place to exist. It is. I mean, like, from my point of view is when you grow up in a white household most of the time, especially when your, fam- your parents separated mm. and then suddenly you don't want to acknowledge because of all these things happening with white people, right? They yeah. do harm to people of colour and then you don't want to acknowledge you being white. But why? You should embrace for who you are. I mean, like, I, I happily mm. to say that I have percentage of white in me because my grandfather is white. My father is half white. But I didn't grow up in the white household, no. unfortunately, because I don't know who my grandfather is. So, mm. if people are like, oh, you don't look very Malay and then I had to fucking explain to them like, I have this part DNA that white in me that's why i'm very fair mm. because i that's why i have brown eyes instead of black eyes mm. so yeah so um but i can't embrace that whiteness because i didn't grow up in the white household no. if i grew up in the white household i would embrace it because mm. why should i be embarrassed i mean like that was my ancestor doing you know i'm here to acknowledge you know what they did is wrong yeah yeah, I hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's it's interesting that we are talking about this because not long ago I went in, in Brisbane. I went to get my nails done, mm-hmm. and it was a shop, and there was more like mostly Asian Vietnamese women doing the nails, and mm. then the the customer were like almost white. Yeah, and I was just thinking, 
when am, am I going to see the other way around? When are we going to see all the ah. white people working there and then just the Asians doing their nails? There's because like an art project. Oh my God, there's this beautiful art project. I don't know who it's by, but it's like flipping the roles. And there is this like this <gasps> image of like these Asian women sitting in the chairs and then like the white ladies are doing their nails. And I think that's like so powerful. It's exactly what you're... Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. It's... And then there's like a book that I want to shout out on that um, by Mariana Lau. I'm going to get it so wrong. But it's will, called, we will link it as It's well. called Gunk yeah. Baby. Okay. And it's by a Asian woman mm -hmm. who is talking about like... Um, it's a story about that particular concept. And, and even also, like, a couple of days ago, I, I was I was wearing a jumper that was a friend of mine. He, I borrowed it. Yeah. And I didn't see the brand. And then I was with a guy, and then he saw the brand, and then he, he asked me, are you that rich that you pay a white person to make your clothes? And he was like, what, what? do you mean? Because the... the the yeah, jumper yeah, was yeah, made in England. Okay. Mm. So he was like, are you that rich that you can pay a white person to do that when you can do it in Vietnam or in China? He goes, right. And I was like, what? And then, he, and then he asked me, how much do you pay for that? And it was like, what do you care? Like, if it's, if it's expensive or not, does it change anything? Yeah. No. But it's like... But I would say, like, bitch, it's not that deep. It's just a jumper. Yeah. <laughs> totally, exactly. totally. And then it's also like... Totally. It's also like, uh, well, if you want to have that conversation, let's have a conversation about why white labor is valued more mm. than POC labor. Like, we can talk about that if you like, but I don't think you're ready for that conversation. Yeah. Totally, totally. But then it's like all these kind of white things. So then if I put a white person to do something, it's going to be more expensive than someone of color. Mm. When it's the same jumper, when it's like, yeah, it's society, but... But you know what? Damn. That's all... If if we're not supporting someone, those people are losing jobs too. So totally. it's, it's the same, I guess. Yeah, it's a big it's a big subject, I yeah. think. It's huge. And I think like that kind of speaks to white fragility in the sense that mm. I think why are white people so fragile about their whiteness? I think there's a part of it that's like they often feel like they as an individual um, are part of the problem that is systematic and they're mm. not sure how to mobilize. And it's like, we don't need you to mobilize like right this second. We just need you to acknowledge that this is happening. There's so much that comes from acknowledgement because totally. once you acknowledge, then you can start to ask the question, how do I mobilize? How do I support? But if you're not mm -hmm. acknowledging, then you can't support. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. I think that's the goal. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play a song by Beyonce Cozy and then when we yes. come Ooh. back, we're going to talk more about white fragility on... Dating apps. <gasps> wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm black. 
Yes, that is cozy by the Queen Beyonce. Um, that p- song is perfect. <laughs> it's, so on brand, it's so on brand with what we we're talking about today with white fragility. Welcome back to Curing the Air. My name is Sasha, and I have my new co-host here, uh, Gustavo, and also Shahrazad here. We've been talking about white fragility, and you know, just diving in deep about you know the topic of white fragility because I I don't think we speak enough about this, and mm. a lot of um, uh, people are just not aware of it. Mm. So, um, I want to talk about dating apps. You Ooh. know, <laughs> Gustavo, you are very active on dating apps, um. and <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, you know, I I have my share. Uh, I mean, I in the past I was like a serial data. Okay, okay? Oh, not wow. serial. Ki- How is ser- that? How serial that? killer and serial data at the same time. <laughs> you know, I can date a guy like three three dates in one day. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh so God. you know, I had I had my experiences. Like at the time, I do not understand what fetishize, like being fetishized or being objectified. I thought uh-huh. people just men, like white men, fancy me because you know I'm beautiful. Um, and yeah, and from sometimes some of the things that they said is a bit disturbing. Like they said, I only go for Asian trans women because first of all, um. They do not speak English very well. It's so, like a stereotype. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, so, you know, there's not going to be any arguments. And then the one that I hate is they said, oh, Asian uh, trans give good massages. Like, <gasps> fuck you, bitch. I don't massage with, with these long nails. <laughs> 
I hate that. And, you know, at that time, I wasn't very aware of, you know, being um, being stereotyped like this. I thought, mm. you know, I was like, oh, that's rude. Just like, and then I brush it off, you know. As, it, as I got into transfam.com.au um, uh, uh, campaign uh, uh, project that I've been in almost a year now, mm. I said, like, oh, my God, this is this is actually quite disturbing. I mean, it's damaging mm. to a person. So, so let's talk about dating apps. Gustavo. Dating apps. I think in the gay world, um, there is also like a hierarchy mm-hmm. in dating apps too. Yep. Mixing it with white privilege, and this was because uh, once I was I I went out with a guy with a guy from China, and he was explaining to me how he he experienced racism and how he hated white people. Like he was like, I don't want to let any white man, because he was just explaining to me. Uh, how in the hierarchy, how I think it is true, mm. is that it's white men, mm. and then he was talking about maybe Latinos, and then mm. maybe Arab, more masculine guys, mm. and then Asians go down yeah. below. So it's kind of like also he was saying, because I told him like, oh, it's so like crazy because the experience that he had in Australia has, had been different. And he was like, yeah, because you're Latino. Mm. Because when like people talk about Latinos, it's just passion, it's just sex, and sometimes we are also yeah. in the thing. Like, you are Latino. You have. To, you need to have a big dick. Yeah. They will ask. They will assume. Oh. Or they will yeah, assume yeah. that you uh, are good at sex. Yeah. I'm good at that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all that. <laughs> I am. I'm Latino, but <laughs> but that was like, not assumption. At least it's acknowledged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear that, and I think like there was a study, and again, I don't know the citation for it, but there was a study that they did on like the swipes on dating apps, and actually, um, the groups that got the least right swipes, like you know. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. the likes are actually black women and Asian men. Blacks mm. too, totally, and like Asian blacks. Yeah, it's it, it's crazy. It's crazy how racism and how it's in our brain and how 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 do we, we differentiate all... of our preference and yeah and like a fetishization? Yeah. Well, I think it's just like if you have, why is where is where is your preference coming from? I think personally, like for example, I have a preference for Arab men. Yeah. Um, and that preference comes from just wanting to share culture with someone. Mm. Like I often, I initially was like, "Am I racist?" But then I think the more I thought about it, it the more I realized that it's because we live in a white country. Um, everything outside of my house is cultural dysphoria, and yeah. I want to go home mm. to someone who makes me feel cultural euphoria. Yeah. Um, huh. I think. I think mm. having a preference is that's a preference yeah. mm-hmm. whereas like a fetishization is when you have ser- where, I guess fetishization is power mm. like if you think that you have hmm. more power in a relationship because of your whiteness and that's why you want to be there or you have a stereotype about this person that you're projecting then that's fetishization yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I feel you mm. I mean you know, sometimes in relationship or even like just datings, um, you do have a preference. You mm. know, like for me, um, hygiene is number one. That is preference. Totally. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. That's a must. Yes. The bar is sometimes on the ground. When I go to someone's guy's place for a hookah and got, when I see dirty toilets, I said, like, I need to go. I was like, I will find an excuse. Like, I need to go. I, I'm not feeling well or something. That's like, a that killer is, for you. Yeah. So it's, that is a preference. I mean, like, it's not. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I think also a preference can be aesthetic. You can be yeah. like, I'm attracted to these people. But true. it's yeah. like, sort of, what yeah. is, where is Idea. it coming from? Yeah, true. You know, like, where is my attraction coming from? If it's just coming from like, oh, I think that's pretty. Mm. It's not loaded. But if it's like, oh, I think this person is going to be submissive or something uh, like that. Yeah. That's uh-huh. really correct. Right. Yeah, 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 you're so right. Yeah. Hmm. 
גוסטאבו? מי? I love men, I love people, I love everyone. No, I will say like in terms of preference, yeah, it's... I think inside of me was some sort of racism at some point yeah too, that I just wanted to date white people because like I when I was growing up also I think that I wanted to be white yeah because mm-hmm. my like my family was how they also of wanted course. me to be of course so then it was maybe the idea of the, the I don't know the fantasy of being with mm-hmm. a white man mm-hmm. but now I think I appreciate every background yeah. because everyone got something special to offer and sure. it's very interesting and enjoy someone yeah. else background and body and all of that regardless of color or or gender for example because then you can meet that transgender man or transgender woman yeah. anyone yeah. who make you feel like good and regardless of how they look or color skin color it is it is i mean um you know when i transition um at a very young age um i usually got attracted to my own race the Malay mm. boys oh. yeah and then you know boys will be boys they I didn't know that time <laughs> they are just the C words because they just used me you know for my body oh. or maybe for my money and then they dumped me you know as a transgender woman I don't think they were gonna take me seriously so from that onwards as I grow a bit older maybe in my 20s and then I start to switch oh actually white people will actually treat me better because I was dating, not really dating, I mean like going out with um, older, gen- uh, older men, of white older men. Mm-hmm. So I did not see the difference because when I dated before was boys. So, you know, the difference. So yeah. I thought, oh, white people are going to treat me nice. You know, they, it's just the generation gap. It's not about their skin color. No. It's not. I think there's a part of it that's like, for me, internalized white supremacy. Like, I used to be into skinny band boys and also yeah. like skinny band girls. Like, skinny you know, band boys. Band boys. Like, like, you know, guys who were in bands London. in the 2000s. Like, right. you know, okay. skinny. <laughs> oh my God. And then, like, the girls that I was into were like these Android white chicks with a nose ring. Right. Like, I was just like, oh, nose ring bitches. I love that. But um, <laughs> I think another element of it is that. I feel like we, as we grow up in our own cultures, we see the problems with our men or women or whoever mm, it is. We mm-hmm. see them very clearly. Like, we know them inside and out. Yes. We don't actually know the issues that white people bring until we date them. Yeah. And let me tell you, like, totally, they can totally. be so toxic. Like, I'm just like, oh, God, this is actually even worse. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I start to... Uh, made aware of this toxic uh, trait with the white people here, especially the men that I dated, until I actually moved here. When I was like overseas, when I dated white men, I didn't see much because, you know, you don't really live with them. Mm. Until with here, I'm hanging out with them almost fucking every day. I was like, bitch, what are you doing? Things that come up from your mouth is fucking racist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the only reason... um. Me and my sister have this like joke. She's dating a white guy right now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so like, why are you dating him? And she's like, oh, because he's a privileged daddy. And when I have kids, <laughs> they're going to be half white. So people are going to like give them opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's a joke. But, it like, is. Uh, but like, no, it's not because it happens. Yeah, like, yeah. I hear people saying that. Like, yeah. But like, is it a joke though? Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it, a joke. It's I reality, mean. but it's, it's a joke, but it's actually <laughs> could be reality. No, I mean, I think yeah. it's reality. <laughs> <laughs> She's just, yeah. <laughs> it's true though. I mean, like when you have white in you, that's privileged. Like, you know, especially being half, like um, my, some of my friends' kids, half Asian and half white. Mm. And mostly uh, focus more on the white side. 
yeah. uh, especially when they live here, instead mm. of having their kids to have those culture that sh- she or he had uh, back home. Totally. But sometimes they didn't even eat our culture food. I was like, your kids don't eat our culture food? How? They are teenagers. That's upsetting. They're it is upsetting. They're trying to raise all the, yeah, the cultural background to fit in in this society. Yeah, I it think. is. I mean, that's why I think maybe because they want to protect them. Totally. Yeah. That's from Leo. I think that that's from our father. But it's so stupid though Because Australia is very Multicultural Multicultural And if Like if it's gonna be A racist country We're just gonna like Be loud about our culture Like for me I'm really lucky That I grew up in a house Where my parents Were just like No Fuck that noise Like you are Arab You are proudly Arab And if people can't accept that That's so nice If people can't accept that They can get fucked Yes Yeah they're like You're a Habibi Like they made me speak Arabic They made me go to like The most god awful Saturday school To learn Arabic But like now I'm grateful for it You know But you know what Honey so I nice. love um, because I, I used to live in Dubai as well. Um, was working uh, for a company there, and then all these Arab men. Oh my god! Especially the Lebanese Arabs. Oh. <laughs> Girl, I die because they are gorgeous. Right? Yeah. I, I, but, I feel like Arab men are so so beautiful. But they are <laughs> shit at being your man. Really? <laughs> They are fuck boys. <laughs> they just wanna fuck. They are fuck boys, like literally hundred percent in their DNA. They don't want to just fuck. They want to fuck with your emotions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the worse. Same <laughs> and I always wish. Oh my god, I wish I want. I really wanted to have an Arab boyfriend. You know, I thought me I love their culture, too. their food, mm. and so. I like everything about Middle Eastern, and then you know now I found someone. He's not Arab. He's Egyptian. Egyptian are not Arabs. Yeah, they are. No, they not. They won't consider themselves Arabs. Really? Yeah, yeah. They will be considered just Egyptian. Oh. Have, a, have, okay. a, have a Google on that. Oh my god, really? Yeah, Is they it... speak Arabs, but they do not see themselves as uh, uh, Arabs. They see them as Egyptian. Is it Coptic? Not sh- I, m- my partner. No, yeah. he's Muslim. Oh, okay, that's so interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I did that. Google. I did Google because whenever I say about Arabs, I always include him, and he said like, "I'm not Arab. I'm Egyptian." I was like, "What do you mean? We're not Arabs?" And then I start to Google, and it's like, mm. "Oh yeah, you guys do not recognize yourself as Arabs." So because who, they are who are Arabs cons- then? Yeah, but the MENA community is Middle East and North Africa, and I think it just depends on the individual oh. because I a lot so. of my Egyptian friends consider themselves to be yeah. Arab, but like that's cool. Yeah, I did. New. Yeah, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, so I've, I've I've met one, and you know he's maybe a bit older, mm. but you know I like because he's wiser. <laughs> a totally. lot of people just assume that he's my sugar daddy. He's not. He's my fucking partner. For all <laughs> listeners, yeah, do not assume. If like if I'm young and if I'm want to go with an older man, so what? Doesn't Why mean he's gonna be my sugar Who daddy. Who says he can't be your partner and give you sugar? Yeah, he can be both. <laughs> <laughs> Me both anyway. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes when we talk about this, especially when we invite uh, white people to have this conversation, right? And then they always say the right things. But what if, what happens when the camera is, goes away? Yeah. Right? I don't know. Like, Have I you think... experienced that? <sighs> yes, always. Mm, mm. I think like, you know, sometimes it's, a bit like you need to be making meaningful changes like words without actions mean nothing like if you're saying actually if you have the words but you don't do the actions you're basically worse because you're a hypocrite mm. it is i mean i've i've seen it um with 
people like um they do all the right things especially when you come to radio and do the right things and then when you know what when we see them out um getting drunk and then all this racial slur coming out from their mouth it's like mm. bitch who are you I think what's even worse than that is when they are here and saying all the right things and then they like weaponize their good whiteness against yeah. you. They're like, yeah. oh, but I'm a good white I'm person. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Remind That's me how classic. I'm a good white person. I'm like, oh you don't God. need a medal yeah. for that, man. You're just doing the basics. I started to remind mm. of her name right now. Like <laughs> she always said, like, I'm, des- I'm a good white person. Like, why you... Good person doesn't say they're good. Anyway. Yeah, but if, yeah, a good person doesn't need to say it. it just say it. It's like, why are you telling me that? Why do I need to know that? Just show me with your actions. That is the totally. guilt. That's the white fragility. That's it. That's the white fragility. <laughs> I agree. And you know... um. Um, there is a quote here We must confront white privilege In LGBTQIA plus spaces uh, LGBTQIA plus BIPOC Often feel unseen in media And unsafe in their own community Do you think this is true With this statement? Yeah, I don't exist in any queer spaces Because I can't deal with the fuckery of white people Straight yeah. up Like, if somebody says This is a queer POC event I'm there I'm happy I'm yeah. like so loud and proud about it But if it's just queer I'm like, this is just going to be A bunch of white people Who are going to silence me So I don't want to be there Yeah uh, You were telling us one time A story of like a white meeting In Sydney, <laughs> wasn't it? Uh-huh. That, that you go there And then they have so many problems No, it was here in, uh, um, Yeah, I was I was I was I, I was made to go there um, and you know it's it's about sort of like a meeting protest mm. like mm-hmm. um over the cops um with the police okay okay it's fine you know um we all hate police anyway yeah, <laughs> <A-cab>. <laughs> <A-cab>. <laughs> <laughs> and um and it's full of white people white young generation people and just whingers like whinge and we i'm the only per- color colored person there and was like why am i even sitting here what am i doing here <laughs> i mean yeah, okay, you want to winch about it, but you need to find... Uh, like I uh, yeah, talked about this yeah. before with Shah like, we need to find solution as well. And then when I asked the person who actually um, did the um, the meeting and said, what do you want to, to get from this? Mm-hmm. And they said, we don't know yet. I was like... You, you need to find in my head. But like, well, you need to have a solution already if you want to win. Wow, totally. what a what a white thing! What a waste of money! It's and just time, time. imagine imagine having so much privilege that you waste all this time, money, and energy, yeah. and you're like, oh, but I don't know what I want to do. Like, if you were a POC, <laughs> people would drag you. Mm. Like, Mm-mm. you're not allowed if you're a POC to like. If not you have don't want goal. police at um, events or you don't want police at a rally, you can just say it. Because there's also Lanson, um, I mean, I have a friend um, who uh, partner is a, is a LGBTQIA plus uh, police who have been working uh, closely with the LGBT community. And also I've met um, uh, trans women police mm. as well. They also offered, like, if I need anything, they can help. But you know what? I, did, I never asked anything from them, you know, but they did offer. Okay. But, um, but if we don't want police there, just tell we don't want police there. Uh, or you even like, if you don't want police in uniform because feeling like people are going to get triggered, you can tell them as well, do mm-hmm. not use your uniform because people will feel triggered. But, you know, we need to find a middle ground or maybe a solution where you don't have to create these unnecessary meetings uh, and just to say, I don't want police at rallies, but you're not doing anything about it. No, exactly. And you don't have any actionable steps. So why are you taking mm. up so much space? Mm. I think like sometimes like 
white people turn up and they think turning up is the end of their part. Yeah. And it's like, no, unless you are going to, like, mobilize, then I don't want to hear about it. Like, just stay at home then. Yeah. And then, you know, there's also, like... um those white people, you know, before they start something or a speech and then they acknowledge um, the traditional owners of this land. But, bitch, it's, they make it like a fashion. Like, oh, I just have to say it because uh, people are doing it. And then they do nothing for the community at all. Oh, dude. Or acknowledge. Really. Well, sometimes the acknowledgement is even shit. Sometimes yeah. they're like, oh, I thank the people. It's like, bitch, don't say thank you. Say thar. Sorry. Like, they didn't... <laughs> pay the me- rent. Yeah, pay the fucking <laughs> rent. Yeah. <laughs> Stop taking up space. Like, yeah. I feel like when white people do the right thing, even if it's like the least mm. right thing, they're like, oh, where's my medal? Where's my pat on the back? When are you going to congratulate Thank me? Thank you. That's what I see too. Like, yeah. They, they, they just want to know, they want an award. Yeah. It's For- like, I don't yell at you all every yeah. single day. Where's my award? Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to play Jacob's uh, uh, audio right now and mm-hmm. then uh, we'll come back and discuss more. Perfect. Hey everyone, this is Jacob calling in from Roma, wanting to send my love to Gustavo, Shahrazad, and Sasha for tackling such an important issue. Uh, Sasha asked me to contribute an opinion to this, so I guess my two cents would be white fragility in queer spaces is absolutely an issue. Um, it's one that I don't think we talk about enough. Uh, as white queers and I think people it stems from a lack of understanding about intersectionality and the complexity of experiences if you are a queer person who also happens to be a person of colour Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander um, or any other intersectionality related to race and I think there's sort of this um, inadvertent perhaps uh, people absolve themselves of uh, their contributions to racism or racial hierarchies because they see themselves as the oppressed uh, and people see themselves as, you know, I understand oppression, I've experienced it myself, therefore I can't contribute to it. And I think perhaps that plays into the issue of racism in queer spaces because people just don't understand, like, oh, hey... Um, maybe I'm a part of the problem. And for myself, I think when I first moved to Melbourne and I saw there was, you know, these events where uh, there would be tiered ticketing systems, for example, where people of queer people of colour and trans people of colour would, would get in for cheaper, I was really confused initially and a bit disorientated because I thought, you know, we're a community, we're all unified, why are we, um, why are we putting these systems in place? But I think over time, I've had the real privilege of being um, invited and, and perhaps, you know, having a lot of friends who are queer people of colour. I feel very lucky to um, have learnt and, and, and be able to understand, you know, the experience is different and these people are just trying to find their own communities. And I think as white people, it's important to acknowledge that the experience is different to ours and it's not about us, it's about them finding their own space and being able to feel safe. So if there was any advice I could give to any white listeners who are still trying to grapple their heads around this, it's just listen and understand that the learning process never ends. Um, I found a great sense of joy and have felt privileged to, to learn and understand, you know, the complexities of... The community 
um, and just learn to step back and decenter yourself from the conversation. Like the fact that queer and trans people of color are creating their own spaces um, and raising these issues of you know racism in in the community it doesn't mean that you know it's it's a problem with you. It means it's it's a wider problem with the community that we all have to tackle together. And I think if we walk hand in hand, um, we can really see some great progress. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that made sense. To be honest, I'm a bit frazzled right now. But I just wanted to thank, once again, Sasha, Shaharazad and Gustavo for raising this important issue and would really encourage any white, queer people who are listening in just to take a step back um, and say, hey, you know, this is an important issue and I should be tuning in. Thanks, guys. I hope everyone's having a lovely Sunday. And this is why we love Jacob, G- our Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is what I mean, having white person to also get involved in this conversation mm-hmm. and also listen to people of color. This is why it's not about personal attack here. It's not. It's, I don't we know. are talking no. about live experiences and what we can do better. Yeah, no, I feel like Jacob said it really well. And I feel like Jacob is a good example of, like, a white person who is doing the work, but, like, doesn't expect a whole lot of patting on the back for it. Yeah. And the reward that he gets for that is he gets to exist with us. Yeah. And gets to see us unmasked and, like, feel safe around him, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think like if someone that is white and feel awkward or uncomfortable with this topic, then they need to see inside because if it's feeling like that, it's because of a reason. Yeah. Maybe yeah, they just yeah. need to check in their privilege and also just be open to listen and o- open to contribute to our community because that's the 100%. main goal that we all sit together and then we all share our experiences, perspectives, and then we move like forward. I, I just I just want to give a shout out to Gustavo as well at um you know during the queer iftar. You are not even Muslim and mm. you got involved and volunteered almost. Six single weekend with us till the end and you were there from start to finish you know and this is almost the same thing with white people you can you can do that too you know if you want to be an ally or we don't really need an ally we just want to be friends you know and Mm -hmm. um and be respected as well and having boundaries and be equals and be seen as equals it it is true it is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge that mm. I used the wrong pronouns for Jacob. I'm really sorry. I know That's I okay. I used them pronouns, and I just want to acknowledge that. Um, <laughs> you you I'm know what? Back in, with, it. <laughs> with me, usually with queer people, it's always she, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. you're like way less. So, going to get into way less in trouble. <laughs> because I, I, of course, it's not it's not on purpose or to offend people, but I always mm. see, you know, every all queer people are my sisters. You get what yeah. I mean? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And then, you know, whenever they get drunk, especially they will be wearing my high heels. Trust me. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So, um, any positive notes? I mean, like any, um, um, what you want to, want to outcome from this? We always talk about solution. What we want to have, you know, f- uh, from white people. Like with me, I think, uh, for, for white people, uh, especially queer white people, you need to, sit down on the table with us and have this conversation as well. And, um, you know, do not feel like uh, it was a personal attack. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like you said, listen. Yeah, I think listening. And I also think for me, like, I think white people, I think they do themselves a disservice by not being able to 
make us feel safe enough to really know us. Like, I think that everyone in this room is like this beautiful, wonderful, culturally mm. like involved individual. And if you don't allow yourself to see me and like sit back and listen, yeah. then you will never know me wholly. And you're kind of doing yourself a disservice for that. Mm. Mm. Gustavo? <laughs> uh, no, I just think that they, they take out of this. It's like we need to all uh, work for a better community and then just like all our opinions are are valid it's really important to to listen mm. to also be to participate to share your ideas to share your experiences your perspectives to acknowledge your privilege and then just to see how can we yeah, make something better for, for everyone where all we feel equal we all feel respected mm. Mm. and I also think like don't be afraid to make a mistake like yes. we're mm -hmm. all gonna make mistakes like totally, all the don't time. be afraid to come into a space with a bunch of people of color and maybe say the wrong thing but because like That's we, how we, will, learn. That's we how will come we learn. to you and we will say hey that didn't really like I didn't really like that and then when I say that to you don't take that as a personal attack yeah. that's me saying I want you to know me so I'm letting you know how I can thanks be thanks for saying that I'm being a lot of people mm. have a lot of fear as well totally it's a lot yeah, of fear a lot of fear of, uh, making mistakes mm. uh -huh. yeah especially when we talk about pronouns like a lot of straight uh, people they're always like oh I don't know if I want to mix around I don't want to get people's pronouns wrong I said it's okay totally. if you get it wrong they're going to correct you but you know and then you have the right pronouns yeah yeah I, and then you can like learn from that and I think yeah. everything with respect if it's if they are like referring to you with respect yeah it's valid it I is think. it is at least for me <laughs> yeah for sure me too <laughs> <laughs> it is i mean um you know we can learn from this education is key and totally. also listen is the most important thing before you get all defensive being triggered by you know conversation i think listening is the key here yeah mm, i agree for sure mm -mm, yeah mm. I we all need to listen alone. <laughs> you know, I I, I love to talk, but um, as you know, as an advocate, I learned how to listen more, especially mm. you know when you um listening to people with uh, who are uh marginalized community, especially uh -huh. yeah. Um, when I went up to TV Island, listening to Sister Girls, I I mean. They have a good story to tell and they're so funny. People, before we got there, people are like, you have to be like this, you have to be respectful. Respectful is basic. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> and then you said, they said like, you can't show your tattoos, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. So I, I don't know what I'm going for. This is just an island. And then when I got there, they were just like normal people. Uh -huh. Like funny, um, you know. Like humans. So cam. Yeah, mm. just like me. And it was like, I get along with them straight away. But you know what? Listening to um, what they are going through, that is the mm. most important thing before you Surely. actually come up with like, oh, I can fix this. No, listen. I think as an extension to that, like decentering yourself from other people's experiences mm. would really do a world of wonder. Like I think for me, um, when I started to decenter myself and my ego, I was way better at listening because I was like, it's not about me. They're just telling me about their experience in the world. That's mm -hmm. it. That's yep. it. Yeah. yeah. That's true. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I think. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's amazing that we get to talk about this. Um, especially Jacob was excited that we mm -hmm. covering this topic. Um, we have. To be honest, me and Jacob, we have um, experienced and seen about white fragility mm. um, during our shows, actually. <laughs> and we just never thought about talking about this until I was um, talking to Shahrizad about this. And Shahrizad was like, let's do it. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so thank you, everyone. And I'm going to leave you with People Get Ready by Shia, Shia Diamond. Nice. And uh -huh. um, the next up is Salam Radio.
Chao, yo así, chao, chao. There's a train a coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith.